Well, let's continue. In our uh, series, we've been looking at King David as the role model uh, for the church. In fact, I noticed something in one of the messages at the pastor's convention up at Zion Fellowship. uh, In uh, I think it was Pastor Gasway in his message, he talked about how we need to take on the Davidic mantle, you know, the mantle of David. And we've looked at many aspects of that. You know, he was bringing out that if we're going to overcome our giants, right, overcome the Goliaths the, of, of oppression so that we can obtain the breakthrough, we need the mantle of King David to come upon us. Uh, but there's one aspect I wanted to talk about. I'm not going to talk about giants today. I wanted to uh, touch on, on one aspect of David's life, but that I think it made all the difference. And you can see it in, uh, in I mean, almost every story. It's there, whether overtly mentioned or in an underlying tone, you can tell uh, about David and one of the foundations that made him a, a man after God's own heart. It was the fact that he learned to hear and respond to God's voice. He learned to hear what God was saying. He learned to inquire and then be able to get an answer in a situation and he followed, was able to follow the leading of the good shepherd. He was a shepherd himself, and he knew what it was like to direct the sheep and the sheep hearing his voice, but he knew what it was like to be a sheep and, and have the good shepherd say, follow me this way. And, and so he was able to do that. And, and really, you can think about every story about David, and, and really this is what's taking, a, taking place. Every accomplishment he did is because he heard from God. He was able to hear from God in his life and in, in his reign as king and, and so forth. I mean, you don't fight Goliath unless you know God is with you, unless God's spoken. You know, if God says, okay, here's Goliath, go beat him, then that's when you can fight. But if he doesn't say that, you don't go out to try and face Goliath. Um, but David knew he could come to God, you know, he could come in the name of the Lord of hosts and defeat Goliath. He knew he could know God as his rock and his fortress and pour out his heart. You know, he he had had many experiences with God. He got his battle plans from, from the Lord. And, you know, God broke forth upon his enemies like the breaking forth of water. And so David learned to hear God's voice. And I think that's really his cry for us as well. In Psalm 95, this is often, uh, or this is untitled, but it's often attributed to David. And it has a, a prophetic flow because God speaks in Psalm 95, 7. He says, uh, he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. And that's the heart of David. Then it says today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart as, as Israel did in the provocation, the day of temptation in the wilderness. So here's some verses that are both uh, an encouragement and a warning at the same time. You're the sheep of his hand. But if we're the sheep, then we have to hear his voice. And he promises to be our good shepherd if we hear him. But the opposite side is if we don't hear him, uh, we speak, we'll speak more about that, but if we don't hear him or disregard his voice, it opens us up to hardness. And that's such a scary proposition, hardness. Because it's not just hardening towards 
people, it's towards God and his blessing. And so the key is today, if you'll hear, if you'll hear his voice, you know, David lived day by day, according to the voice of the Lord, leading and guiding him in every situation. And it was more than a nice concept because sometimes you think about, oh man, that would be a nice gift. We look at it kind of like, that'd be a nice gift to have the ability to hear God's voice and ask God questions and hear responses. But for David, it was more than a gift. It was life or death for him. It was more than just something nice to have. He had to have it or he wouldn't have survived. Um, I, I think one of the greatest examples is the town of Keilah. Remember the story of the town of Keilah? And that's when David was running from Saul. He's out in the wilderness, but he hears the Philistines have attacked this town and he, and something is kind of provoked in him. And he, and he asked the Lord, Lord, should I go help them? And David's men said, David, no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but he, he goes back to the Lord. He says, Lord, should I help them? And he's go help them. And so he did. And they won. They won a great battle. But then he got another sense. The people he just delivered, you know, he had heard Saul is out to get him and, and has heard that he's in Keilah. And so he says, Lord, are, there, are these people who I've just delivered, are they going to turn me over to Saul? Are they going to, you know, be afraid of, more afraid of him? Or? And the Lord said, in, in 1 Samuel 20 through 12, he said, uh, he asked the Lord, will the people of Keilah deliver me to Saul? And God responded, they will. And so David had to escape, get out of town fast uh, before Saul came and the people gave him up. But, you know, this is kind of an example. Hearing from God literally saved his life. And so he had to hear from God. Sometimes you think about the, the concept of godly principles. We must have our life founded upon godly principles. But there's a difference between hearing God's voice and principles. Um, you know, principles can't, can't necessarily tell us what the will of God is for our life in this present moment, in this situation. You know, they're a foundation. But you think about David and, and his situation, what would principles have told him to do? I don't know. I mean, what would have been the right thing to do? Keep his men safe or go save the people of Keilah? Uh, and then, you know, what would have been the right principle would have, that would have directed him? Lord, is Saul, or, you know, what principle would have showed him what the right thing to do was when Saul was coming to get him and he had just delivered the people? He needed a word from God. That is the only thing that would have saved him. Now, the good thing about principles is God's voice never contradicts principles, so principles are a confirmation. Uh, but in some situations, we're there, we'll, ha we'll face situations where principles can't guide us. We need a word from the Lord. We have to rely upon his voice. There's a story I heard that, that was pretty profound in the sense of, of relying upon God's voice for protection. Uh, a pastor was sharing a story how um, he had to obey God's voice about a trip he was planning on taking. And he was planning a trip to Costa Rica, and he'd been there before, and he was excited to return. And however, whenever he thought about that trip, he just felt unsettled in his heart. And he didn't understand why. And 
uh, you know, it was as if the Lord was telling him not to go. And so it was a struggle because he, he wanted to go on that trip. Uh, and so he prayed and he said he took a long drive in his car and he prayed in tongues the whole way and just, Lord, make it clear. And, and he said after that, his desire to go on that trip turned to a dread. And he knew that was God's voice speaking to him. And of course, God doesn't always speak audibly. He speaks in his spirit. He speaks through peace or a lack of peace. And so he felt the voice of the Lord was saying, don't go on that trip. And so he had to call up peop- the you know, people he was going with and say, you know, I can't go on the trip. And, and, and so he had to cancel those plans. Well, on the day of the trip, the plane that was taking off that he would have been on from in Mexico City didn't didn't you know had an emergency and crashed on takeoff killing all 169 people on board you know the lord warned him and he he heeded the voice of the lord and it saved his life and i firmly believe that uh, there's going to be times and days to come where it's the voice of the Lord that will save us, that will preserve our lives, uh, even in the natural, whether it be from acts of terrorism or uh, natural disasters or judgments, you know, coming upon the nations, hearing God's voice uh, will save and sustain us, even in the natural. And so there's that that need that we have to to hear his voice. And, you know, that's that was quite a gripping story to hear that. But yet, I don't think that's really the main purpose in the sense of hearing God's voice. That's a wonderful blessing that God preserves us through his voice because those are few and far between, right? We're, we're worried about crashing or, you know, something bad happening to us. You know, I want to put aside the thought of the natural for a moment because in reality, it's the spiritual part that God really wants, why he wants us to hear his voice. He doesn't just want to preserve us naturally, but he wants to give us spiritual life. And in John 6 and verse 63, it says, It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You know, God's word whether it's in the written form or in the form of the, the quicken rhema word, you know, we can feel in our spirits that, that they are bringing spiritual life and health to us. His word brings life. When we're disconnected from that sense of his word and you know, being grounded and relying solely upon his word, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be simply you know, we could be perfectly fine in the natural. Everything can be going fine. In fact, it often goes fine when we get disconnected from God's word. The enemy wants to tell us, hey, that's, that's a good life to have. And sometimes your problems can quiet down. But the real problem is it's a disconnection from his word is a disconnection from spiritual life. And so you could say that to the degree we are connected to his word and his voice, we are connected to his life. And so we need to rely upon and, and feed upon his word and his voice speaking to us. 
Now, there's many things we could we could examine in in the voice of the Lord and hearing His voice. And Pastor Tucker wrote a really excellent book on that. I encourage you to read it if you haven't, or even if you have, and you and you want to refresh yourself on hearing the voice of the Lord. That's a good one to go to. But there's a few points I want to to bring out concerning, or I felt to bring out concerning the voice of the Lord. And um, and it was from a verse that was quickened to me recently. And it's concerning the fact that that to hear God's voice, we often, we need to ask. We need to make that our cry. This isn't the verse I'm referring, I was referring to mainly, but James 4 and verse 2, you can remember that little verse, the latter half says, you have not because you ask not. All right. Sometimes we don't have because we're not crying out, Lord, meet with me. Would you visit me? Would you speak to me? And, you know, that we want to make that our cry. But there, there could be often something that rises up, um, you know, a questioning in our minds and hearts that says, are you sure you want to ask that? Because what if he doesn't respond? What, what if you don't hear anything? Uh, but I can tell you there's only one outcome if we listen to that thought. And what is that outcome? Silence. Right? If we don't ask God speak to me, you know, well, we won't we won't be disappointed in that, but yet we won't hear because he won't speak. Instead, we should listen to this verse. This is the verse I was referring to. It was really quickened. Isaiah 41 and verse 17. And this is our situation. The poor and the needy, they seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. Here's what I want us to look at. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Verse 18, I will open rivers and desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. You see the the important picture here, the poor and needy, that's us, where we need him. Uh, We need the water of the spirit. We're looking for a greater outpouring of his spirit, an increase of his spirit in our lives. But sometimes we look and say, Lord, there is none. I need an increase. And so what do we do? The poor and the needy cry. They cry out. They make their cry known. And they keep crying. Now, notice it doesn't give a time frame. You know, the implication is we is the poor and needy cry until God hears and responds. But when he responds, what does he do? It says he pours water on the desolate heights. I like that thought, the desolate heights. And, you know, we're, as a, as a church, as a fellowship, as individuals, we're seeking to come up to the high places of God to ascend the mountain because that's where his presence is. It's on his holy mountain of Zion. But you know, when you climb a mountain, you're not expecting big crowds up there, are you? In fact, whenever you see someone, you know, a documentary or something, and you see someone climbing a mountain, there's no, never anyone up there. They're the ones coming up, and they're usually, maybe there's a small group or they're alone on that mountain. Sometimes it can be lonely or feel lonely up there. But God says, in the heights, in the desolate heights, I will open a river. But then it says in the valleys. 
Have you ever looked at people and think, wow, they live such normal lives. It doesn't seem like they face a lot of issues or pressures like I've been experiencing or facing. But, but you know, if we allow God to take us to the, the desolate heights and then we go on with God, you know, we're going from height to height. That means from one mountain to another mountain, they're usually higher. But, you know, in between each mountain is usually a valley. And so we have to pass through the valleys. I wish that you could just go from one mountain and just go a little bit higher to the next one. Sometimes that is the case. You know, you're, there's one peak and then you go up a little higher to the next peak. But usually there's a valley coming at some point and we have to go down into that. But his promise is that in the midst of the valley, he makes a wonderful, refreshing pool of water. Now, some of the other Psalms call that the Valley of Tears, but it's a pool of water. And so it can often come through the precious words he speaks to us in those mountaintop or valley experiences, being in the heights of the mountain or the depths of the valleys. But you consider those in the plain, right? In the middle, you could say in the plains, they're not experiencing trouble. Really, that's the group that's not moving. They felt they found a pleasant place and they're like, well, if I go on, that means more hardship. But right here is good. I'm just going to stay right here. They're not going to the heights, but they're not going to the depths either. But, you know, to go on in God, we go to the heights and the depths, but it just means there's many opportunities to cry out and to get that refreshing when he responds with his still small voice and we hear his words to the heights and to the valleys. Now, there's one more verse I wanted to look at in, from Isaiah regarding his voice, and it's a little farther on in, in chapter 45 in verse 19. And it says, I have not spoken in secret in the dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak in righteousness. I declare things that are right. You know, God has not spoken in a secret way that we cannot hear. You know, he did not say to Israel, you're going to seek me in vain. You're going to seek me, but you're not going to find me. He's never said that to anyone. He's, but he did say, seek me and you will find me. And so God speaks and declares what is right for our lives. He wants to speak to us the way that we should go to give us answers for the decisions that we have to make and or even to speak to us about the decisions we have made, whether, you know, we need to reconsider it or, you know, whether we're going in the right way. And so, you know, God desires to speak to us and he's promised us he will not speak to us in vain. We won't seek him in vain. But I will say that hearing his voice is a learning process, isn't it? It's, it's, God is so gracious when he, when we, pray, Lord, speak to me, and he speaks to us. And that, that's happened, and I'm so gracious, or I'm so glad that, that he graciously does that at times. There's other times that I pray that, and Lord, did you hear me? And the only thing we can do is just keep saying and keep asking, keep knocking until the door is opened. And there's also that thought of learning to hear his voice, right? Sometimes he speaks and we don't even recognize that he is speaking. You know, the prophet Samuel had to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. 
you know, talked about the day he was living in and in First Samuel 3, 1, it says, the word of the Lord was precious. It was rare. It was not heard and not proclaimed very much, even though there was a high priest, but I guess that high priest didn't value the voice of the Lord or couldn't, well, he could sort of hear the voice of the Lord. It took three times as, as we consider in that, in the story, but you know, it wasn't proclaimed. And so it was precious. Very few people in Samuel's day heard God, God's voice and were able to convey it to others till Samuel came along. They recognized he knew the voice of the Lord and what he spoke was right. You know, but he had to learn, right? Remember the story? He hear, in the night, he hears the, his name called Samuel and he runs to Eli and Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And that happened three times. Finally, the third time, Eli got the message. Okay, if that's not me, there must be someone else. It might be the Lord. And so he tells Samuel to go back in 1 Samuel 3.10. He said, next time when you hear that answer, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And God spoke to him some things that were troubling for the house of Eli. But, but he began to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. He had to learn to discern his voice. And, you know, that's something Jesus told us as well uh, about the voice of the Lord. He talked about we're his sheep, we're also his lambs. But in John 10, 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So it's the mature sheep that hear the voice of God and trust in him. There's a humility in recognizing that, you know, maybe we're in between, maybe we're a lamb that's growing a little bit, but we're not quite at that place where our ear is not as the hurt is not hearing as the learned as it says yet in Isaiah 50. And so sometimes we have to, to go to leadership and get confirmation. Would you hear, you know, can you pray and get a word from the Lord? Or I've gotten, a, I've, I'm getting this word from the Lord, but tell me, am I hearing right? You know, we have to to learn to hear him and come into that place. And there's a humility in that, in, in going to leadership for guidance, but yet there's protection in that too. Uh, I will be forever grateful to Pastor Tucker. Remember way back in, in 2017, we had a monster hurricane headed our way and we were getting a lot of pressure from people not in Florida saying, get out of town, get out of the state. Uh, you know, and so we called him and said, help, <laughs> what do we do? You know, we, we had a sense of what to do, but the pressure was so great. We had to say, what do you think? And he got that verse that will forever be kind of changed in my eyes. Isaiah 30 and verse seven, he said, I get, I get a little phrase. Their strength is to sit still. And he said, I feel like you should wait. God's going to preserve you. And so we sat still and God did preserve us. The hurricane went off to the east. But, you know, it's so important to have that humility in recognizing I need to learn to hear God's voice and, and I need to submit that to authority and, or go to authority to hear so that we can hear his voice. You know, and there's even that recognition that in the process of that, that that we can have trouble recognizing. Is this the voice of the Lord or is this 
Another voice, is it my spirit? Is it, is it an evil spirit? You know, Lord, help me. And that's a part of humility and the fear of the Lord. You know, Paul said this in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 10. He said, there are, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world. Now, the context was on different languages um, here, but the context is also spiritual gifts. And one of the greatest gifts is learning to hear God's voice because there's many other voices and we have to d- discern when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and, and sometimes how he speaks. You know, as I mentioned, he can speak. Sometimes we can hear something in our ears almost. Other times we, we just hear a phrase in our spirits. Other times we're saying, God, I, I want to hear that, but we only get a feeling, a sense in our hearts or a lack of peace about something. And we have to discern that and check those things when it's not abundantly clear. And so there's that, that process. And, and Paul continues in, in 1 Corinthians 10, you know, there's many voices. Verse 11 says, Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks as a barbarian. And he that speaks unto me as a barbarian. But here's verse 12. This is kind of quickened to me. Even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Now, Paul's talking about prophecy, which is the thought of communicating God's voice to other people. But the foundation of that is learning to hear, learning to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, what God's still small voice is saying, learning to inquire of God. And, and Paul says, we are, seek, we are to seek that we may excel at that. That's what I so admire about, you know, the, our spiritual authority and in, in our fellowship and so forth. I admire people who are good at hearing God's voice. Don't you admire that? And that's something that I pray for. Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to be good at hearing your voice. There's a lot involved in that. That's more than just a prayer. It's a life of, of living to hear his voice and being in a position where we can hear his voice and learning all of that. We won't talk about all of that, but, but God wants us to get good at that. In fact, it talks directly about that. I mentioned Isaiah 50, verse 4. And this is speaking of Christ. It says, He has awakened my ear. You know, the reference, the idea is the Father, the, you know, the, His heavenly Father has awakened his ear to hear as the learned. Jesus was the most learned of all on earth. He could hear the voice of his father day by day, hour by hour and minute by minute. But he, he wants us to enter into that as well in our life to give us a learned ear, an ear that's good at hearing his voice. And that's going to be so necessary. It's necessary now, but even more in the days to come that we're feeding upon his voice and not the many voices that are in this world. One, I just want to kind of close with one practical. Uh, that A lot of this was theoretical. There's one really practical thing that has blessed me and, and I've felt God kind of quickening in my life of learning to hear his voice It's found in Psalm 46 and verse 10. One little phrase, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes the most important thing we can do to hear God's voice 
is to be quiet, to quiet ourselves, or at least to have a time where we quiet our spirits before God so that we can hear from him. You know, sometimes if I'm, I'm tempted, if I really need to hear his voice, I'm tempted to talk a lot. Lord, I really need to hear your voice. And then I'll tell him all the reasons why, even though he already knows it. But yet we can be compelled, Lord, speak to me. And then we just keep going on and you know, and not, not that that's a bad thing. Sometimes we, that's a part of crying out to God and pouring out our hearts. But yet after we're done, we have to make sure we're opening our spirits and quieting ourselves because sometimes we can still be stirred up like, like a glass with sediment and sand and it. We're stirred up, but God's still small voice works best when there's a settling. I found that as I quiet myself and just have times of sitting before the Lord, not necessarily full prayer, but just presenting myself before God. He doesn't always speak to me. He has at times, but I would say more often than not, it's not that he speaks to me in that moment. Sometimes he does, but I found that later on, he'll drop a word in my spirit when I wasn't even expecting it. Or something will, will come out to me in, as I'm reading the Bible. It's, oh, that is it but I feel that there's a foundation laid in quieting our spirits. You know, sometimes I can't sleep at night. And so I'll, my other, you know, your option is, well, I can toss and turn or I can do, do something to, to sleep. But I've found a, a practical way for me is, well, if I can't sleep, I might as well make it productive and I'll just go sit on the couch for however long. Lord speak and just sit there. And usually either God will speak or I'll fall asleep, you know, so it's a win-win. But, you know, and you just make that time of allowing God to speak. As, As David said so well, be still and know that I'm God. That's just one of the practical ways. But King David is an example to us of someone who learned to hear from God and rely upon his voice. And it literally saved his life. You know, it's, it's marvelous to think of, of how God preserved him day by day through his voice. And God wants to do that. And I think we're going to hear some, you know, we heard that story from that pastor, God's voice preserved him. But I think we're going to hear story after story in the days to come about how God spoke and he preserved you know, his, his people in natural ways because they heard his voice. But in one sense, that's secondary because he wants to preserve our life and fill us with his spiritual life now. He wants to speak to us on the mountaintops, the desolate heights, and in the valleys. And in speaking to us, he wants to give us a river and fill us with pools of water that it's the water of life because his voice is precious to us, will receive life. And we can have assurance that he'll speak to us because he did not say to Jacob, seek me in vain. But instead he said, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And he wants to awaken our ear to hear his voice as the learned. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for that wonderful invitation 
that you've given to us, Lord, to hear your voice. And Lord, that's our, our heart's desire, Lord, our cries to, to be those who can develop an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying today. And in that, that we would have a heart that would yield to your Spirit, O oh God, and your voice to us, O oh God. Lord, just would you meet with us afresh, Lord, put within us, Lord, as the heart of David to, to seek your still small voice, to quiet ourselves. Lord, even remind us sometimes when we forget to inquire and ask of you, Lord, don't let us go in our own way or make our own decisions. But Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart that would seek you, Lord, and that you'd bring us to that place, Lord, where we would develop an ear that's been opened to hear as the learned we ask. And we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.